a Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things motocentric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. We are here today to talk about the 2016 and 2017 Yamaha YZ450F and all the things that I have done to that bike in the past year and a half or so and all the things that you may want to try for you guys' bikes out there. But first and foremost, Rocky Mountain ATV MC is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, dual sport bikes, ATVs, and street bikes. With the low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three-day shipping, you know what I'm going to say again. Free. Free is a good price. This is so easy to see why RockyMountainATVMC.com is the premier shopping destination for the power sport enthusiast. Go buy some stuff at Rocky Mountain ATVMC. Support them. Support me. It's a win-win. You get some some parts for your bike at a cheap, cheaper cost. So dial it up. Enter it in your computer, RockyMountainATVMC.com. You can do it. So, hey, we're back. And today we're going to talk about the Yamaha YZ450F. So, as many of you know out there, I really like this bike. Out of all the bikes that I have ridden in the past, I don't know, let's say two years or so, I probably have had the most time on the Yamaha. Um... Not so far behind that would probably be a Honda and a KTM. Um, maybe next year we'll be uh, we're working on some more stuff with the Yamaha, obviously with the new bike coming out. But there's been a lot of you guys out there that want to know more information um, about your 16 and 17 bike. A lot of you guys out there are going to keep that bike, and you're not going to get an 18 because you want to spend nine grand. I get it. There's not a lot to do to this machine, but there are some key improvements that you can do to address some of the issues um, that are that are the most noticeable. So first and foremost, 2015 bike um, was the last generation of that type of frame, and then in 2016 they made a frame update. So 16 and 17 are exactly the same bikes. Nothing's changed besides some gold coloring that they made on some axle blocks and uh, front brake line pinch bolt or pinch line. So it's a uh, nothing's changed but in 15 they had a different frame and I would say the 16 was a better improvement for frame changes Uh, it wasn't so wallowy in the rear when you're rolling on the throttle and in a sweeper it kind of stayed up a little bit more to me it had a little bit better traction so I like the directions that they went to with the frame I know a lot of you guys out there freaked out about the 22 going from 22 millimeters and 15 offset to a 25 millimeter offset so i know a lot of the media that was there in the 2016 intros were like why would you go to a 25 millimeter offset when the bike doesn't turn as good as a honda or suzuki why would you you know rake it out but 
it's it's not about rake, you know. It's more of more of trail. And with the frame changes that they made, um, they felt like the 25 millimeter offset was better. Um, I will get into that offset differences here later in this podcast. Um, but that that is the direction they went to. And going back to the testing process, I would say after you know with all the manufacturers that have test riders that have the R&D guys in their internal departments. Um, Yamaha has one of the better ones out of all of them. Um, I was with Yamaha for five years back in the day working for GYTR, and I did some stuff with Steve Butler and, and Mark Porter there, but mostly I was in accessories and did that. But just viewing how all of their criteria was and what they went through to make the bike good... Um, I would have to back them on that just for the simple fact that I know those guys and I know the process that they go through. So I know for a fact that when people freak out about things that um, manufacturers do and they make to their bikes and they just immediately change what they think's right, that's not always the right decision, people. Um, there's a lot of, of moving parts going into a company to design a new machine or update a new machine. So don't think that we out here know more than they do, you know. There's very few of us that can make a bike better um, than what they can production-wise. And and that's why, you know, when we all talk about this, yeah, of course we want to buy parts and make it better, but it's not always about just slapping parts on and, and making it better because they make a pretty damn good machine. We can make it better. Just like right here we're about to talk about, I feel like I've made better choices for me, and maybe that will be better choices for you. So... Moving on to the 2017, um, we'll just straight go right to it. You know, the 22-millimeter versus 25-millimeter fork offset debate. Um, I personally like a 25-millimeter offset, okay? Um, I thought I could raise the fork up 5 millimeters, and it wouldn't turn that horrible. Like, I felt like there is a mid-push um, coming into corners, like mid-corner push, um, that I felt like could benefit a little bit more maybe going to a 23 or 24 offset so what i did i wanted to do it back to back i went to i went and got a stock 22 offset clamp which you guys can do you guys can buy them at the dealers and they'll, they'll bolt right on to your 2017 and then i went out to the track and tried a 22 offset with that new frame and went back to a 25 offset and i came away with i like the 25 offset better for the, for the simple fact of coming into the corner as I'm setting up, it sets up better. It's more balanced. Um, it's not as twitchy. And I felt like with the 22, yeah, it kind of helped with that mid-corner push. But it didn't help me coming into the corner. So, And for me, predicting my corner is the 50 feet before I get to it, right? So if you guys can't get set up dealing with the chop and the braking bumps, you know, it's not going to matter what you're going to do the beginning, the middle, and the end of the corner because your whole beginning of that is already screwed up. So I felt like I had a better feeling with the 25 offset. Um, I raised the fork up 5 millimeters, which you guys can try. Um, but going back to slower, heavier guys that maybe can't corner as well as I do, I know a lot of them. I have a few buddies that like the 22 offset because they're simply just not going as fast on straightaways and they could get into the corner better because they're going slower. 
So maybe for you slower guys out there, novice riders that uh, need help cornering and need that sharp, you know, almost like just laying it in there nicely, Honda-esque cornering ability, maybe the 22 millimeter will help you. But for me, uh, 25 millimeter offset was better, especially, you know, on straightaways and square edge and chop. I felt like the bike was was more stable. Um, you can experiment with four kites, but immediately if you guys are just leaving the 25 offset there, I would straight away go to four mil to five mil up in the clamp with your fork and try it like that. Um, the next thing I did was I went to the guy who rides these bikes a lot, right? Doug Dubach. You know, who knows more about these Yamahas besides Yamaha than this guy? No one. Um, I went and got an engine relocation kit because I'm a big front-end steering rider. Um, so this mid-corner push that you're talking about, that I was talking about, I want more bite there. So I felt like if I got that engine relocation with a 25-millimeter offset, that this could really help my riding style. So installed that, and simple. It's you know it's it's a couple collars you put in there, and it it tilts the engine um, upwards 1.5 millimeters. This is for the 16 and 17. I know he had earlier versions for like the 2010 to 2013, which was 2.5 millimeters, and it was a little bit more in detail to set it up, but. Um, for the 16 and 17, it's a 1.5 millimeter um, difference. And immediately when I installed that and I went to go ride it, I immediately felt like I could lay into the corner better with more front end traction. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty noticeable. So like, like I was saying in the earlier podcast about testing and sheets and numerical numbers, if the baseline of the bike before the engine relocation was a 3, this was a 3.5 with just Doug's 1.5 millimeter different offset engine relocation kit. I thought it was a good noticeable change for, especially for you guys out there that are front end steering guys. I'm a big front end steering rider, so that does help. The next thing I tried was lowering the radiators, and he has these kits that lowers the radiator 27 millimeters. And that way it doesn't hit the head pipe. That's about as far as you can go without messing with that. Um, I honestly was a little bit skeptical skeptical trying it. And it, it, it actually made, made a difference as well. So, and basically where, where I felt that on the track was I call flop. So if, immediately if I just want to flop into a corner real quick, just jam it in there. Um, that's where I felt the weight was kind of lower and it just felt like it dropped in a little bit better. You can call it lean in, um, flop in, or however you want to call it, but just that initial right where the, the corner starts, that lean right there, it just drops in a little bit nicer and almost makes it feel a little bit lighter than what it does. So that's another thing you guys can check out. I know Doug has them usually in stock. I haven't checked with them in a while on it, but um, once I put those two things on, it was a noticeable change for me. Um, and I would rather, that engine is so good stock. I, I really like that engine character. I did make a couple changes to um, the mapping, which I can put up on keyforinktesting.com. I just basically richened up the, the low end a little bit and advanced some of the timing, but 
just to kind of get that ease of roll on throttle through corners I felt like that YZ450F is a little touchy to the throttle so it's kind of like you almost get a little whiskey when you're in a rut right you get a little tired and that's super touchy right when you grab it and it kind of makes your front end pop out of a rut well that could be because it's maybe just too touchy to your hand and you could richen it up a little bit in the low end to make it smoother a little bit KTM feel coming out of a corner and then broaden that mid to top so it's not so short those are the things that I like. I like ease of riding, you know, especially 20 minutes into moto. You're getting tired, right? And maybe you don't need all that damn power and you want to tone it down a little bit, you know. Just start out that way. Just start toning it down a little bit. You're going to get tired. That's inevitable, right? So let's just back it down just a titch and uh, richen it up off the bottom helps. Um, Another chassis thing that I did that I thought was a was a noticeable improvement as well is um, JGR makes a subframe, an adjustable subframe that back in the day when the JGR team was racing Yamahas, they used them a lot. Well, they sell them at their shop, and they're they're I think they're pretty pricey. They're like three hundred bucks, I think. But lowering the rear end of that Yamaha was was key for me coming into corners because I almost felt like it was a little bit stink bug especially if you're going to run a five millimeter, you know, fork height up, you're kind of already stink bug right there, right? So going to this JGR subframe, adjustable subframe, you can adjust it to where lowering the subframe will kind of help you and get rid of that stink bug feel on D-cell, which in other, in, in enhances the engine braking feeling because the Yamaha has a ton of engine braking as well. So combined with the right attitude that's already stink bug with a ton of engine braking you're getting a lot of pitching feeling so putting the JGR subframe on I tried 10 millimeters lower than stock and I don't have the number handy right now but you can measure it from your your stock subframe so make sure you measure your stock subframe before you pull it off you put this JGR subframe on um, and then you can adjust it to where you're 10 millimeters, 15 millimeters, wherever you want it, lower than stock. I generally left it between 10 to 15. I tried 20, that was just too low for me, and the rear wheel was hitting the rear fender a lot. But um, I went as much as 15, and I really liked it. And that helped me from that seat smacking me in my ass coming into corners on D-cell. You know, you could charge into the first two or three bumps and you don't get that slap in your butt or that stink bug feel coming into a corner, and then you're kind of getting that front end wiggle. It kind of takes that away. It makes the ride attitude and balance of the bike better. So I was really shocked with just the subframe can do. I know a lot of those guys in Supercross cut them and do those things for whoops, but for us out there riding local tracks, they get pretty rough, you know, and choppy and got some deep braking bumps, you know, from time to time when the, when the, the track workers actually prep the track good. Um, it's beneficial and can help you guys come into a corner faster and better. Um, another important piece to this Yamaha with the new frame from 2016 is getting the sag measurement correct. I know a lot of you guys out there still run 105 millimeters of sag, um, a la 2015. But with that frame change, they were, at, they were calling for between 100 to 102 millimeters of sag. You kind of want to stick with that no matter where you're at, no matter if you have 
stock suspension, a revalve, short and subframe, or whatever, I basically stuck with that um, throughout. So I ran 102 millimeters of sag um, with that subframe, and that's a good right attitude balance. Um, the next thing I did, I went to Enzo. I mean, Ross knows KYB stuff the best. I've had him do my stuff for, I don't know, going back to Supercross back in the day. He's always done my, my KYB stuff. And he stuck a heavier spring in the fork, obviously revalved it on both ends. Um, and although I do love the stock suspension on the YZ450F, once it breaks in, it does get a little soft. And like I said, there's a lot of um, engine braking, so the front end feels divey. And that could cause a little bit of a wiggle coming in the corner. So he went up one size of, um, up in a fork spring. And that kind of held my front end up. I'm 170 pounds. He left the rear spring alone. And, man, for you guys out there that are asking me about what suspension company should I take my stuff to, I've had Factory Connection do it. I've had Enzo do mine. Um, I've had other, you know, Johnny's bump sticks around here by my house do some stuff and for me I've always went to Enzo and paid money just to have my stuff done um, I think Ross maybe has done a set for me free one time but I always go there. I'd rather pay for my stuff and have it done right versus having to go to a shop and redoing it three to four times and not being able to get along with my stuff chassis to me is the most important way over motor especially on a 450 and I feel like Ross at Enzo has the settings down um, to where you guys could hop on it and feel fairly comfortable right away. Because you're already dealing with a setting that's stock that's really good for most for most weights. I mean, you could have a lighter guy at 140 and it's a little bit stiff, but guys range from 170 to you know 190. It's a pretty good setting, like comfortable. It holds up decent until it breaks you know until it breaks down obviously but um it's just a really comfortable setting stock but ross just makes it to where i could charge harder keep the comfort but gain performance that's what i really like about ross stuff is i can really charge into bumps and hit bumps hard or over jump things and the performance is there but yet the comfort doesn't really leave it, it kind of stays with me which which I enjoy, you know. Obviously, I want uh, stuff that works good everywhere because I'm always riding different tracks, and uh, Ross does a good job. Basically, preventive measurement things that I've done. So if you guys are getting some popping sound or your bike's misfiring or decel pop, take your fuel tank off, pop it up, and look at your spark plug cap. Um, that sucker pops up for whatever reason, I've had mine come up, come out, um, dislodge a little bit, and my bike was running dirty, feeling poppy. I'm like, what the hell is going on with this thing? So invest in a spark plug cap holder. There's a few people out there that make them. Shit, you can make them yourself. Um, I know Twisted Development makes one that I bought. It's expensive. It's like 60 bucks or whatever. But after I looked at it, and you know, I probably could make my own. Um, basically, you can just run it off of the Allen bolt to your head cover and just make something that's there over that cap so it doesn't pop up. So I guess when on diesel, when you're on the gas and then straight off of it, you'll get some backfire or something. 
and uh, that spark plug cap kind of pop, pops up just a little bit and causes your bike to misfire. Also, I've seen it, and it has happened to me, where it's popped up enough where my bike just quit altogether. So then I'm like, oh, I seized my bike. But nope, it's that spark plug cap. So keep an eye on that. Make sure you have a holder on there. And uh, if you don't, invest in one. So uh, I also, with the Honda that I did a podcast with before, I tried a get ignition. Well, with this Yamaha, I went with a Vortex ignition. Um, that I bought through MT Racing, and I think he's in Ontario, California. Um, but straight up, just bought a Vortex ignition, um, plugged it in, rode it with just you know pump fuel, and I, man, what a difference it makes! We were talking about mapping the stock ignition. Well, with this Vortex ignition, that smoothness, that connectivity that I wanted um, out of a remap out of the stock ignition was there with the Vortex. So. Um, I think I spent 500, 500 bucks on a Vortex ignition, plugged it in, had so much connectivity on roll-on coming out of corners, and the broadness that I received from that ignition from mid to top was insane. Like, it doesn't feel this, like the same bike. I've had Travis Preston ride my bike that had a Vortex on, and he was like, man, I can't believe this is the same bike that I'm riding with just the ignition. You know, it just feels like a completely different new bike. So that's something you guys can look at as well down the road if you want to spend that much money. If you're going to keep the unit is a Vortex Ignition. Like I said in my other podcast, ignitions are huge. There's a reason why Bubba wants a damn ignition. Maybe not <laughs> to, the, to the extent that his dad was talking about. But, man, if I was going overseas, you know, three things you take is your bars, your suspension, and ignition. Because... Those three things make a huge difference to make you feel comfortable on the track. And the ignition just broadens the power everywhere. It doesn't really make it like arm ripping fast. I don't want that. But it really does make the bike pull stronger, but yet have more connection to the rear wheel, which kind of the Yamaha needs, you know, because it's so quick and so um, good off the bottom. It kind of lights up that rear tire. So. You want a little bit more traction out of that Yamaha, and the Vortex delivers that, which uh, which was really nice for me to have coming off of starts, um, accelerating. I just felt like I pulled a little bit better, and I was more connected to the to the ground, and uh, so I kept that that ignition shoot for two years. It was like gold to me. Um, wheel spacing. So that's another thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about. You always you know, email me and say, where should I put, when I put new sprockets and chain on my bike, where should I put the chain adjuster? A lot of things, this is difficult, a lot of things uh, go in hand in hand with this. So if we're dealing with, you know, shorter races, you know, short races with tighter tracks and supercross, for example, um, you want the wheelbase maybe to be a little bit shorter. But for the most part, you want to run your adjusters a little bit farther back um, than than what I've seen some at the track. Some of these guys have their adjusters way up, you know, way far forward, and the wheels, you know, touching the mud flap um, because they want the bike to turn better. Well, it's really not going to turn that much better, but you're going to get way less traction coming out of corners. It's going to light up. Um, straight line stability is going to be worse because you're going to hit square edge. It's going to deflect in the back. 
So you kind of, where it is stock when you guys buy these bikes, is kind of where you want to leave them close to that. And I know sometimes when you buy a chain, you're gonna have you're gonna cut it and it's not gonna be near it. So maybe try to buy half links and try to get the same amount of length in your chain adjuster bolt that you do when you see it stock. So that's pretty important. I know you guys don't think it is that important, but I've dealt with it long enough in the testing world on uh, production bikes that it is uh, pretty important to do. And as far as gearing goes, I've ran a 49 in the rear, a 1349, and I like it at some tracks, but the 1348, to me, everywhere is pretty good and it's manageable, and I could get along with the spacing between second and third um, okay. For those of you guys that are a little bit slower and you want um, to keep that second and third gear closer, so maybe you guys could use third gear coming in the corners, no problem. Try a 49 and maybe a 50. Do the old uh, MXA Jody and go one tooth up and see if you guys like it. But um, I know for me, I know Travis Preston, he likes having a 49 on his 17. I was always went back to a 48. So you can experiment with that. But for me, I like a 48 uh, tooth rear sprocket. So the shroud situation seems to bother a lot of people with the thickness and the wideness of the Yamaha. And Sycra has those power flow shrouds that are visually narrower um i've ran those i still do run those but when i measure them it's not that much difference i think it was maybe two millimeters and the weight i, I weighed the cycle shrouds compared to the stock ones and the stock ones actually are lighter so you're gaining a little bit of weight with the cycle shroud you do actually gain a little bit a little bit of performance surprisingly enough with those shrouds um, because on the airbox lid it has that those two holes in the front and it sucks a lot of air through so it's a little bit louder um, to the ear especially for those guys who wear 6d's man I was wearing a 6d helmet one time and I put those on and I was like holy crap because 6d's are loud so you really hear a lot of that suction with the cycle shrouds but you get more throttle response and bottom in because it's I feel like it's getting more air so you're getting a little bit better throttle response. So for those guys that are visually looking at the shrouds and thinking, oh, I want to you know, skinny, slim my bike up a little bit, you can go the Psycho Shrouds, and they are a little bit slimmer, um, but it's more of a visual thing than it is actually you know, a number measuring them. So when you're sitting on the bike looking down, the shroud itself is just a skinnier piece, so visually it looks skinnier. So you guys can run the Psycho Shrouds. I've had good luck with them. Um, they're pretty durable, um, easy to put on. It's pretty much a non-issue. Another thing that you guys are mentioning to me in the engine department is clutch life and what should I do about a clutch. Um, the Yamaha clutch isn't bad stock. I have gone through some pressure plates and inner hubs because I am more of a clutcher as far as modulating my power versus having to roll off the throttle. And so instead of rolling off the throttle, I just fan my clutch a little bit to keep my front end down. I'm not so much of a, a clutch abuser coming out of corners and fanning the shit out of it, but I do slip it constantly just to keep my front end down instead of having to lit off the throttle. So what that does, the inner hub kind of eats away a little bit and then my clutch starts slipping. So I get about, 12 to 15 hours of life in my clutch when it's new but I have put a Hinson 
um, full system kit in there, and uh, the lifespan of my clutch has gone up maybe three to four hours as far as you know changing clutch plate life. Um, I always use Maxima 1040 weight. I usually never run anything different. Once I start with an oil, I kind of keep that oil going. And for this bike, I ran Maxima 1040 Petroleum. I never ran a synthetic. I haven't had really good luck with synthetics in the Yamahas. Um, I've went through clutches a lot faster with synthetics. And for me, I'd rather have life versus performance. So um, for you guys out there that are like me, maybe just stick with the Petroleum blend and uh, a 1040 weight is good year-round um, and I haven't really tried a recluse torque drive in that bike I've tried a recluse in a Honda that worked really good but my plan is in the future to try a back-to-back -back comparison with a Henson and a recluse to see about clutch life and performance to see where I'm going with that always kept super unleaded fuel in that bike I've experimented with some some other fuels in which were good I tried a VP T4E and I know I've mentioned this in other pods the T4E is coming out soon it worked well um, in the Yamaha but I didn't feel as much difference as I did in the Honda so I just kept running pump gas and um, keep an eye on your guys's sprocket bolts I've known uh, with those those bolts in that bike they've sometimes backed off so obviously even if I use a red Loctite um, keep that on there and every time you change that I would try to use a red I've tried blue and I've seen them back off so try to keep a red Loctite on your sprocket bolts and for tires always kept um, either a Michelin Starcross Soft or Dunlop MX3S's those seem to be, work the best for me in, in corners um, lifespan on both of those tires is not the longest um, they will chunk but for me I'm getting about I don't know six engine hours of time on those and I, I usually change them out but six hours for me out here is a lot because our ground is so hard but I still like to run a soft compound tire just for the simple fact of hookup and then always seem to be consistent um, you can run a medium star cross um, I've had better luck with a medium compound in a Michelin than I have in a Dunlop. The MX-52 I'm not really fond of. It's not a very good tire for the front as far as bite. I always seem to get a wash in the front with the 52. So um, for me, I try to keep soft terrain tires on the bike. And man, the bike has been great. It's been super reliable. I have had 88 hours on this thing and only thing I've ever changed was clutch plates and a clutch just for durability I have the same piston I've checked the valves they've been in clearance um, I mean shrouds I put seat covers on graphics tires but absolutely no failures on this bike people ask me about the frame welds and cracks um, that's all been remedied for a couple years now I've never had any you know weld failures on my frame for a, a long time so um, this has been one of the the better bikes for me that I've had. I know you guys complain about weight. Again, everything weight's been an issue. It is heavy. You do feel it in corners, you know. And I wish it was more um, like a KTM where you could get a lightweight feel. Um, hopefully this 2018 
feels lighter. I know on paper it's only three pounds lighter, but you're getting an electric start. So hopefully that three pounds correlates into 15 pounds on the track. And uh, we will get to ride that sucker July 26th. And we will do another podcast about the 2018 bike. And we also will compare it with the 2017 bike. So we will do that. And uh, hopefully you guys will listen in. And I want to thank you guys for listening to these suckers. It's fun to make. I like talking about dirt bikes. It's uh, super fun for me to do. If it if it's not my family, it's dirt bikes. So um, this comes really easy for me. And if you guys see me at the track, just hoot and holler. We can BS about whatever you want to BS about. And if you have any questions, you can always hit me up at chris at keferinktesting.com. And we can uh, hopefully solve your problems. And uh, you have after dark questions, you can also go there, chris at keferinktesting.com. And we could solve those too. But I hope you guys enjoy these, and keep ripping your Yamaha YZF450, and we will come back with 2018 info soon. See you guys.